0: To listen to a sermon from Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church. As a church, we want
1: to see whole communities captivated by Jesus Christ and living out His freedom. I'm um, Proverbs fourteen eight to twelve. The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. Fools mock at making amends for sin, but goodwill is found among the upright. Each heart knows its own bitterness, and no one else can share in its joy. The house of the wicked will be
0: destroyed, but the tent of the upright will flourish. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Hi, everyone. Uh, second reading comes from Romans chapter 6, verse 15, uh, to chapter 7, verse 6. Uh, it's in the Pew Bibles on page 1117. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves... You are slaves to the one whom you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you are entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves, Just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, The benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to men who know the law, that the law has authority over a man only as long as he lives. For example, by law a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive, but if her husband dies... She is released from the law of marriage. So then, if she marries another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from that law and is not an adulteress, even though she marries another man. So, my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him that, who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit to God, For when we were controlled by the sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our bodies, so that we bore fruit for death. But now by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law, so that we serve the new way of the spirit, and not the old way of the written code.
2: You might like to dance You may be the heavyweight champion of the world You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls But you're going to have to serve somebody Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord But you're going to have to serve somebody Maybe a rock and roll addict dancing on the stage. Money, drugs, at your command women in a cage. You may be a businessman or some high degree thief. They may call you doctor, or they may call you chief. Gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, you are. You're going to have to serve somebody, serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Serve somebody. You
1: may be a may be... Nice fade out there, Ken. <laughs> you may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You may like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls. But you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. You might be a rock and roll addict, prancing on the stage. might have money and drugs at your command, women in a cage. You may be a businessman or some high degree thief. They may call you doctor or they may call you thief, but you've got to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you've got to serve somebody. That's where you did that little bit Serve somebody. You know. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> I wasn't going to do that. Why did I do that? <laughs> it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Does anyone know who sung this song? Yeah? Bob Dylan, that's right. These are the immortal words of Bob Dylan. Now, if for anyone like me, I had no idea about this song until this week. It wasn't until Andrew uh, tried to sing it to me later on this week, and he did this weird thing with his face. And then a couple of days later, another person tried to sing it to me, they did the same thing. I don't, I don't know if that's something about Bob Dylan or I don't know. But anyway, these are the... What's that? Something about me, yeah, sure. Anyway, these are the immortal words of Bob Dylan. My question is, is he Right? Are we going to have to serve somebody? Oops. Well, John Lennon responded to this song. He hated the song. He actually said this about the song. The backing was mediocre, the singing pathetic, and the words just embarrassing. He actually wrote his own song in reply, which is quite ironic because I think his words are worse. But let me tell you, um, let me read you the chorus from his song. It was entitled, You've Got to ah, sorry, Serve Yourself says, you've got to serve yourself. Nobody's going to do it for you. Or you may believe in devils, and you may believe in laws, but if you don't go out and serve yourself, ain't no room service here. For Lennon, the thought that we serve somebody was ridiculous. And even more than that, the fact that we would either serve the devil or the Lord. Now, it might be that you too, think this is ridiculous, that we would serve somebody else. We don't like to think of ourselves as servants, do we? We like to think of ourselves as autonomous, as free, in order to make our own decisions, do what we want. In fact, freedom is a basic human right, isn't it? To say that you've got to serve somebody, well, it just doesn't sit well with us in our modern world. But today as we come to the second half of Romans chapter 6, Paul goes even further than than to say you've got to serve somebody. Did you see what he said? He said that every single person in the world who has ever lived is a slave. It doesn't just serve, we are a slave. He says we're either a slave to sin or we're a slave to God. He doesn't give any other option. We're a slave to sin or we're a slave to God. So this is a hard passage. How about I pray, and then we'll get stuck into it. Would you pray with me? Father, tonight as we come to your word, would you be gracious enough to humble us, to listen to what you have to say? Would you calm our minds? Would you take away any distractions that we have tonight? And Lord, would you speak to us by your spirit, from your word? Amen. Well, in the book of Romans so far, we have seen what our autonomy has led to. Instead of serving the Creator, we preferred the creation. We chose to follow our own rules instead of the good and perfect law of God. It says that we rejected the truth about God and instead we believed the lie. And for this, Paul says God gave us over to ourselves, to our autonomy. But the freedom that we thought we were getting in this wasn't actually freedom. It wasn't what we had hoped for. In fact, Paul says it's slavery. And yet, as we've also seen in Romans, we have the gospel. God has broken into this situation. He has freed us from our slavery to sin. We have been justified by his grace through the redemption that came in Jesus Christ. Justification by grace alone apart from works. That's what the book of Romans is all about, and that's where we've been headed this whole time. This is the gospel that we have as Christians. But it's also this gospel that we've been hearing about from chapters 1 to 5 that leads to some questions. We saw one of them last week, and tonight again Paul asks the second question. Last week we saw uh, the question, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? But Paul's answer was no. He reminds us that we have died to our old selves. We've been raised to life with Christ to a new life. We are to count ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. We were reminded that we have a new identity in Christ. We are new people. And this week as we come to this second question, it's a question that flows out of this new identity that we have. So let's turn together, Romans 6. Let's have a look at verse 15 of the question. Paul says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Now this this question comes straight from the verse above it. Have a look at verse 14. He said, for sin shall not be your master because you are not under law but under grace. Here's how the logic goes. If we're no longer under sin, under the law, but instead we're under God's grace, then the question is, well, surely it doesn't matter if we sin, right? And I think this is actually a pretty legitimate question. It's one that I'm not sure if you've been asked. I've I've been asked this. I remember a few years ago, I was sitting on my my deck out in the back of my place and right next to my place was next door neighbours and they had a deck as well. And the girl who lived there, uh, came out and she knew that I was a Christian and I don't know why she started asking me this question but she sort of started talking about all the different laws that she thought Christians had to follow to be you know, good and to get into heaven and it gave me this really good opportunity to explain the gospel to her to explain, no, that we're, it's not about following a bunch of rules it's not about that, that we get into heaven in fact, we can't, we don't follow the law but that what we couldn't do Christ did for us he fulfilled the law on top of that he died to pay for our rebellion our lack of following the law that he rose to a new life that we have risen with him and that through faith in him that we are forgiven we are set free from that old life when I finished saying that as best as I could at the time the first question she asked was so does that mean you can just do what you want And I reckon it's a pretty natural response, isn't it? To be honest, at the time, I really didn't even know what to say to it. What would you say? If someone asked you the question, shall we sin because we're not under law but under grace, what would you say? Well, maybe it might be that you're tempted to think along the same lines as my next-door neighbor. Do you ever think that God's grace gives you Freedom to keep sinning. Well, maybe not intentionally, but when you're tempted to sin, do you think to yourself, well, I'm saved by grace, so a little bit of sin doesn't really matter. I reckon it's a temptation for all of us. But have a listen to what Paul says. Have a look in verse 15 again. Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means Paul's emphatic here. He says, may it never be. But he doesn't just say no. He explains it. So have a look in the next verse. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Paul's reason for saying no to sin now is that we are slaves. That we are slaves to sin. In fact, Paul gives t- only two options either you obey sin and you become a slave to sin, or you are a slave to obedience, which leads to righteousness. He doesn't give any other option. Now, at this point, you might be thinking, well, hang on, I'm not a slave. not a slave to anyone or to anything. Well, this was the same as the teachers of the law. They said to Jesus, we're not slaves. We've never been slaves to anyone. Our father was Abraham. And listen to what Jesus said to them. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. That's a... Hard word. But last week, we also saw that Christ's death means that we've been freed from this slavery. Have a look back at verse 6. We see it clearly there. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Friends, if you have been united to Christ by faith, then you are no longer a slave this is the good news of the gospel. And this is why Paul in verse 17 breaks out into praise for God. He says, "But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves of righteousness." Do you see what happens to them there? There's four things. Do you see why God Uh, why Paul thanks God. Number one, he says, they used to be slaves to sin, but two, they wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which they were entrusted. Now, at the very least, this means that they trusted in the gospel. They believed and were saved. And what was the result of this? Number three, they were set free from sin. Now, I think we can often be tempted when we think about what Christ has done for us, to think, okay, yep, we've been saved from our slavery to sin. We've trusted in Christ, trusted in the gospel, and now we're set free from sin. And that's the end of it. But that's not where Paul finishes. You see the end. He says, you have been set free from sin and instead have become slaves to righteousness. This is the fourth thing that he says. We have become slaves not to sin anymore, but to righteousness. Now, this is just another way of saying that we become slaves of God. In fact, when you look in verse 22, that's how he, he says it in that verse. He says, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. If you are a Christian, you are a slave of God. Now, as I have spent time in this passage over the last week, I get when Paul talks about slavery to sin, like I get that, I get the negative side of that, I even get that now that we have been set free from sin, that we should try and live a good life, but to say that we are slaves of God, just doesn't seem like the right word. Have a think for a moment about our vision statement, I got away with this this morning because Roger wasn't here, hopefully he won't get too too upset. Our vision statement says, whole communities captivated by Jesus Christ and living out his freedom. Maybe we got it wrong. Maybe it should say, whole communities captivated by Jesus Christ and living out his slavery. What do you reckon? We should put that out the front, Roger? Big sign out the front. That'll get the crowds in, I reckon. No? Okay. Okay. <laughs> But it just doesn't sound right. Have a listen. In Galatians 5, listen to what Paul says there. He says, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Not slavery. For freedom Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Isn't this a better way of saying it? Now, in verse 19, he says, I'm speaking in human terms. He's given an analogy so that we can understand it. However, I don't think that this means he's used the wrong word. In fact, I think Paul has deliberately used the word slave. But there's a difference. There's a difference between slavery to sin and slavery to God. Slavery to sin means that we're powerless to escape. It's a slavery that in verse 19 says, leads to ever-increasing wickedness. And in verse 22 says, it leads to things that we are now ashamed of. Think back in your life to a time before you were a Christian. Are there things that you are ashamed of now? But slavery to God is a wonderful thing. It means freedom from sin. means a power to live a new life that is pleasing to God. And this is what it means for those who have been set free from sin. But verse nineteen keeps going. Says, "Just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever increasing wickedness, so now offer them to righteousness, leading to holiness." Paul commands Christians. We used to offer our, the parts of our bodies to sin, but now we are to offer them to God, to righteousness, which leads to holiness. Paul said the same thing back in verse 13. Do you remember it from last week? Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments for wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments for righteousness. God didn't free us from sin so that we can serve ourselves like John Lennon sung about. It would be absolute madness for us to do that. Our new freedom isn't freedom for autonomy. It's not freedom to serve ourselves. We have been freed to become servants, to become slaves of God. God has freed us from sin, and we can now freely give ourselves to the one who gave his life for us. Later on in in Romans, in chapter 12, I think we get more of a sense of what this means. It says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. We have been freed from sin so that we can worship God. This is a beautiful thing. This is what we've been made to do. But there's another, another reason that Paul gives, another thing that we've been freed from. But before we get to that, he goes to a summary. In verse 23, he shows us what the result of sin is and what the result of slaves to God is. In verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What's the benefit of sin? You get what you deserve. You get the wages. And the wages are death. But as slaves of God, we don't get what we deserve. We get grace. We get a gift. And it is this grace, this gift that empowers us now to live a new life a life of righteousness and holiness as slaves to God. Not so that we will be saved. We have already been saved. But because we already are. So what's Paul's answer for not sinning? It's that we have a new master. Our old master, sin is gone. We've put that to death in Christ. We have a new master now. Our new master is God. But Paul hasn't finished answering the question. We're free from slavery to sin, but we're also freed from the law. Have a look in chapter 7, verse 1. But don't you know, brothers, for I'm speaking to men who know the law, that a law has authority over a man only as long as he lives. For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband As long as she lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. So then, if she marries another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from that law and is not an adulteress, even though she marries another man. Makes sense? Under the law of marriage, you are bound to the person you marry. But if they die, you are free. From that marriage and it's the same with us we've been freed from the law we're no longer bound by this law that we could never keep have a look in verse 4 so my brothers you also died th- uh, to the law through the body of Christ why why did he do that? why are we free that you may belong to To another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. This is what it means now to be a slave to God. We belong to Christ, to the one who was raised from the dead, the one who fulfilled the law for us, the law that we could never fulfill. And now we belong to him, we must bear fruit for God. Or again, you see it in verse six. He says, "But now, by dying to that which once bound us, we have been released from the law, so that we may serve in the new way of the Spirit." Now, over the next few weeks, Paul's going to go into what it means to live a life in the Spirit, and it's a hugely important part of the Christian life. But for now, I don't want us to miss what Paul has to say here in answering. The question, shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Now, to be honest, this isn't the answer that I was expecting. And maybe it's not the answer you're expecting. And it's possible that you don't even like the answer. But his answer to shall we sin because we are not under grace but under law is no, we're slaves. But we're not slaves to sin. We're now slaves to God. We belong to him. We were bought at a price, the most costly price of all, the death of his son. And now that we're slaves of God, we can offer ourselves to him. What else would we want to do? We've been bought at a price. Now, I think you, you see this in the illustration of marriage. Now, I've only been married a few months But I think we see this idea. In marriage, true freedom within that marriage doesn't come from sleeping around and being unfaithful. It actually comes from being 100% faithful to the person you've committed yourself to. This is true freedom in marriage because the fruit of the obedience of this in marriage leads to love and to trust and to joy. To go back to singleness would be committing adultery. You also see it, I always find this a fairly lame way to talk about it, but I think you see what's happening here. A fish in a bowl, in one sense you might say it's trapped, it's in slavery, it can't get out of this bowl. But if the fish jumps out of the bowl, that's not freedom, it's death for that fish. It's the same with a train on tracks. It might be in one sense, a slave because it has to stay on the tracks. But for a train to be on those tracks is freedom. It's the same with us. True freedom comes from being a slave to God. If we go back to our old master sin, this is spiritual adultery. adultery. Sin is not our master anymore. We are slaves to God. And Paul has no problem in calling himself a slave. The first words in the book of Romans say, Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ. Now, in a lot of our translations, it says Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, but that's not the right word. It is the word for slave. It's the same Greek word that's used all throughout our passage today. Paul is happy to call himself a slave of Christ, and it's because... He's a slave to the one who gave himself for us. What better master could you have to serve? What other master would you want to give your life to? Now, a couple of days ago, I went for a bit of a walk just to try and clear my head. I'd been thinking about this whole idea of slavery and I just needed to go clear my head for a bit. So I walked down to the water at Glebe Point and I was just sitting on a bench in the sun Sort of thinking and praying, and I was just like, God, what does it mean to be a slave to you? What, what does it mean? And as I was sitting there, the words from Mark 8 came to me. When Jesus had called the crowd and his disciples to him, and he said this He said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, And follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. This is what it means to be a slave of God, giving up everything for the sake of Jesus. But this is the great paradox of Christianity. Becoming a slave of Jesus is freedom. When we give up everything for the sake of him, this is true freedom. This is what we were made for. We were slaves to sin, but God has freed us from that so we can worship him, so we can live for him, so we can be his slaves. This is the great paradox of Christianity. Now, can I speak to you for a moment, if you're here tonight, and you don't call yourself a Christian, if you don't call yourself a follower of Jesus. Could it be that the freedom that you are looking for isn't actually found in serving yourself, like John Lennon said? Just maybe you think that the freedom and autonomy that you have is is the way to get freedom. But actually, God's word here tonight says... It is slavery. It is slavery to sin. And one day, your master will demand of you your life. And maybe you thought that Christianity was slavery and oppression. Maybe you thought obedience to God was slavery. But tonight, I hope you've seen that actually obedience to God is not slavery to sin, but actually perfect freedom. With a master that doesn't demand your life, but gave his life for you. If this is you, why don't you come to Jesus tonight? Why don't you come to him, be freed from your slavery to sin, be freed for a new life in service to God? Nothing better that you could do with your life. But for the rest of us, for those who do call ourselves Christians, what does this mean for us? Well, this week as I've been preparing, I looked at my own life and I was struck by just how little I recognize myself as a slave to God. I like to think of myself as free. I'm happy to have God on the side, but it's my life. There are so many areas in my life where I've allowed myself to think that a little bit of sin is okay. After all, we're saved by grace, right? It doesn't really matter if we have a little bit of sin in our lives. But friends, this is madness. We must no longer think of ourselves like we used to. We are not slaves to sin anymore. We do not have to listen to sin. We have been freed from that. We have a new master. Our master is God. He has given us all that we need to be slaves to him and be freed from sin. One of my friends this week drew a little picture and he sent it to me on my my phone and I think it's actually quite helpful. Um, he drew a picture of two little boats. And in the first boat, it had a little sign over the top, slaves to sin, and it was going this way. And then in the, boat, the other boat, it was facing this way, and it said, slaves to God. And he said, what, what is happening in this passage is, we were slaves to sin. We were in the boat going this way, leading to death. But God has pulled us out of that boat and put us in this other boat, as slaves to God. We've been freed from that. We're on our way to eternal life. But our old slave master sin is calling out to us, come back, come back. doesn't matter if you sin. And we're tempted to turn back and listen to that slave master. But we've been freed from that, friends. We've been freed from that. We are in the boat to eternal life. We have a new master. We can listen to him instead. Now, this doesn't mean that we're going to live in sinless perfection. It doesn't mean that we're never going to sin again. Of course we're going to be tempted. We're always going to be tempted. But the power of sin in our lives has been broken. The power of sin in our lives has been broken. We have a new master. We are not slaves to sin anymore. And this means everything in our lives must change. Everything. And I think this is what it means to be a community captivated by Jesus Christ and living out his freedom. You notice what it says? It doesn't say living out our freedom, it says living out Jesus' freedom. This is what it means to be a slave to God. This week, I've also been reading this book by John MacArthur called Slave. Uh, Just trying to get my head around what it means to be a slave to God. And I found this bit really helpful. Let me finish by reading it to you. I can't recommend this more highly too, if you want to borrow it or get it off me afterwards. He says, Our slavery to Christ has radical implications for how we think and how we live. We have been bought with a price. We belong to Christ. We are part of a people for his own possession." And understanding all of that changes everything about us, starting with our perspective and our priorities. True Christianity is not about adding Jesus to my life. Instead, it's about devoting myself completely to him, submitting wholly to him and his will, and seeking to please him above all else. It demands dying to self and following the master, no matter what the cost. In other words, to be a Christian is to be Christ's slave. Friends, we're all slaves to something, as Bob Dylan said. Will you be a slave of the one who will take your life, or will you be a slave of the one who gave his life for you to free you from that and to bring you to eternal life? Let's pray. Father, we praise you that in your love for us, you sent Christ to free us from our slavery to sin, that you have brought us out of death, and you have brought us into a new life with you. We thank you that this new life, although it, we are slaves to you, is freedom. Father, would you help us by your spirit to live out this freedom? Would you help us to say no to sin and yes to righteousness? Would you help us when we are tempted to sin to not listen to our old slave master, but to listen to you? Father, enable us where there, are, there is sin in our lives that we feel trapped, there is sin in our lives that we feel that we are slaves to, would you give us the grace to free, uh, to be freed from that? Would you give us the grace to stop listening to sin and to be your slaves? And Lord, we pray this for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church Podcast. For more audio content and information about
0: our church, please visit neac.com.au.